So at some point you have to turn up, you have to turn down the noise and you have to say, okay, well, this is what, this is what people in society say makes me happy, but what actually makes me happy? And so when I started asking better questions, I started going on a more interesting journey. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with interior designer and life coach Jesse Carroll. This is the Walk Show podcast with your host, Walker Near. I had a really great conversation with Jesse, who walked away from a successful corporate career to pursue her dreams. Jesse quickly discovered that her creative passion for interior design actually coupled well with her training as a life coach because a person's home is often a very intimate reflection of themselves. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music of today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Jesse Carroll. How are you doing this evening? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, for sure. So um, just to, to be candid about how we encountered each other, uh, you made this incredibly earnest and, dare I say, sweet uh, Facebook video or video that you posted on Facebook um, where you were just kind of explaining your story and, and trying to connect with people. I think it was in the Pot It group, which I've talked about on this show before. Um, and I'll just... I'll just be completely honest. I was like, wow, like what an earnest and nice video, which I still think that to be clear, that wasn't untrue later or something. Um, <laughs> you're just way more accomplished than I would have gathered from that video, which I think just, just as an, a testament probably to the kind person that you are, because you don't flex of all your accomplishments, you know, upon encountering someone. Um, but yeah, you you've you've got a really interesting story. Um, to, so to, to start though, you run Jesse Carroll Design, um, where you offer interior decorating and life coaching, um, kind of as a combination service. Yeah, well, first I just want to thank you so much for that compliment because you know one thing that I've really been diving into is just owning <laughs> owning who I am as an entrepreneur, claiming what I do, really stepping into that. So even since making that video. I've noticed so much more confidence in myself. So it's mm. funny to hear that. And, um, but also, you know, I, I got onto that Facebook group and I thought, wow, these are some incredible people. How are they going to ever notice me? And I thought, well, I make videos all the time. Why don't I just make a video and connect with people and see, you know, see who, who, uh, you know, grabs a hold of it. And so I'm so grateful that you did so we could connect that way. Um, it's been, <laughs> been so fun already. Yeah, for sure. So, um, from what I understand, and, and I'll, I'll have you kind of walk us through it, obviously, but you, you were working in a, a pretty successful corporate career um, and then kind of decided to transition out of that to transition into this space of, of interior decorating and, and then ultimately life coaching. How did that decision kind of come about? Yeah, so it was definitely definitely an interesting ride. And when you hear it from maybe the outside perspective, it sounds like I just did this rash made this rash decision to just like <laughs> see screw stability. I'm just gonna start my, own, start my own business. But you know, it had been something on my heart for gosh, for for honestly years, but something I started really taking seriously a year before I did it. Mm. And what happened was I was starting to really feel that I was living out of integrity. And I could really feel it um, in my body. It was like my body was speaking to me at that point. So I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't mm -hmm. live in denial of what was actually going on. You know, I was telling myself in my mind, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm made for more. But then I'd say, oh, no, I should just be happy. I was shooting all over myself. I was telling mm -hmm. myself, oh, I should just be happy because the job that I have right now, so many people would, you know, be happy to have. The, the career people would be happy to have the money, you know, people would be happy to have, like, I should just be grateful. But I think the thing is when you live like that for so long, you start, it, do, it doesn't, you might hit your top, but that doesn't feel fulfilling. So at some point you have to turn up, you have to turn down the noise and you have to say, okay, well, this is what, this is what people in society say makes me happy, but what actually makes me happy? And so when I started asking better questions, I started going on a more interesting journey. And that led me to kind of putting my hands up, you know, do, putting the white flag out there being like, you know, Hail Mary, somebody give me some advice, some help. And uh, that led me to um, connecting with my first life coach. And, you know, I, 
I had never worked with a life coach before, but I was certified as a life coach, which was funny. Um, I just wasn't doing anything with it at the time. And so I connected with her and she allowed me to, she really helped open some doors for me, new opportunities. And when she did that, it led me to start thinking of, like I started connecting with people in um, the entrepreneurial realm. And I saw how they were interacting with others. I saw how they were speaking. I saw the kinds of lives that they were living. And it started really helping me define, like, what do I want for myself? Like, how do I want to see myself? What would bring me joy? And so then I started really digging deep into, like, what would make me happy? What kind of career do I want? And so I started shaping that for about a year. Mm. And, you know, there's there's stories in there. Like I talked to somebody recently about how, you know, I really came to the aha moment in a time I didn't expect at all uh, on a train going to a beer fest. Like, you, oh, just, wow. you just never know when the clarity is going to come, but you just have to be willing to be your advocate when it's on your heart. So in that moment, it was on my heart to ask a friend at the time who was really, really great at helping me dig deeper within myself just by the question she asked me. Um, so, but in that moment, I got so much clarity. And so, yeah, eventually I couldn't, I couldn't sit at that job anymore. And so I started creating a plan to be able to leave, even if it wasn't, you know, like full on, I'm going to be able to replace my income immediately. It was some kind of, some kind of confidence to do the step that I knew I needed to do. So before I officially left my job, you know, I started building a little bit of a savings. I um, sold some things so I had more cushion. I um, started networking more um, so that way when I knew that I wasn't going to have, you know, the resources necessarily to like have a website, well, I'm going to make friends with a web guy. You know, I'm going to make friends with a marketer. I'm going to start building my network around the things I know that I need, but also in a way because I love to connect with people in general. So sure. start thinking differently about, okay, well, what are my biggest goals? How can I make that a reality? Um, I also got my business license, which I didn't realize you could start a business with that one. Uh, but I, I, I think doing that really solidified for me, okay, this is happening. So I did that probably, probably about a month before I ended up leaving um, my career. But yeah, it was definitely, it wasn't necessarily something I did in a day, but it was something that I decided on in a day. And then I was like, okay, well, since I'm in it, what's my plan? And I think a leap can be as, you know, quick or elongated as we want it to be. It just, it just matters that we start and that we, we tap into what our truth is telling us. And then we stop being in denial of that because of what we think every, you know, everybody else says is the way to do it or what we feel is the truth, but it's actually everybody else's truth or what they think is the truth. So yeah, no, that's that's a that's a, a fascinating thing, and you said a, a lot of things that I that really resonated with me. Um, and, and the first one is is kind of what you kind of circled back to, which is that it's not something that happens in a day. I think that especially, and not really just in the internet culture. I mean, probably with the, starting with television, it, it, there's just this perception that things you know you see someone that's successful or is or even maybe not even measuring it with success or something, but just that it makes a significant change. And from the outside looking in, like you said, it's like, oh, well, they did that in a day or, oh, they just threw caution to the wind. And I mean, certainly that can happen. I don't know <laughs> that it's always that great of an outcome, but, but largely, you know, and when I talk to people, you know, on the show here or, or just in life, that's usually not the case. Usually it is a plan thing that, that people work towards, which on the one hand is maybe a bit daunting because there's a lot of planning goes into it. But on the other hand, it's not something where you're not skydiving into this change, right? Like you're not just jumping out of the airplane. Like, yeah. And I think that's why so many people don't leap is because they, they put it on that pedestal of like, this is about to be the wildest crazy thing in a moment. Like my whole world's going to flip upside down. Like, I just don't know if I want to commit to that. And it's like, you can commit to it as slow as you want. Like personally, I went into it knowing my first year was going to be WTF. I knew my entire first year of business was going to be that because I grew up, you know, luckily I was very fortunate to have an entrepreneurial uh, mentor in a way like my mom. She's been an entrepreneur for 30 plus years and a very successful one, you know, but doing it the old school way. But I did see that. And so, you know, I knew going into it, like just from having watched her, create her businesses like it's absolutely outrageous to think that you could crush it in one year and if you do then good for you you're the one percent that somehow figured that out but 
if you, if that's what you're going into it for, then you're not in for to it for the long haul. And you're also, I believe in it for the wrong reasons. So it's really, it's about that integrity piece. That's what it comes back to is why do you need it to happen overnight? You know, if, if, cause I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we have a mission on our heart. There's so much we want to share with the world. We want to change about the world. And I think that can be our downfall for a sec. You know, we come in and we want to change the entire world at once, you know, cause we're going to be the ones that change it. But we just have to, I just think, give ourselves a little bit of a break and realize like when we're wanting to go down this new path, like it's going to be a process. It's going to take some time and we got to have some grace along the way. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it in, in terms of, um, of pursuing or aspiring to something and, and how it, 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 it's something that, that takes time, right? It's not something that happens instantly. And I think that the same thing is true on the other side of the coin when people are trying to improve themselves or go through personal development stuff, there's also this thought that's like, oh, well, I should be able to just decide that I'm this different person today and then it's over. And if I, if I can't, then that means that I'm a failure. And it's like the same thing that we're talking about is true on that side too. Like it takes, it can take a while to build to that. And that's not a point of shame or um, a point to, to be disparaged on at all. Yeah, it's actually funny. I, I was talking to somebody recently, too, about the idea that when you become an entrepreneur, it is the most expedited personal development process you will ever go through. It shows you things at a rapid rate that you had no idea you needed to work on. It shows you all these things. And so you're unraveling it as you go. And so it's going to it's gonna bring up a lot of shadow work. It's going to cause a lot of, like, honestly, a lot of pain as you're building. So it's just going in I almost think you're not even supposed to know that until you look back. Um, it's supposed to be part of the ride. I think figuring out that, that the whole point of it is to unravel yourself along the way. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it can be a pain point. So I also thought it was super interesting that you have um, kind of come and to say combined maybe isn't even the right way to explain it, but that you offer both interior decorating and life coaching services Um like I'd shared with you off air, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of coaches and, and psychologists and people in that kind of space. Um, and I think it's super interesting to hear all of the different nuanced takes on it. And like I had one guy who his background is in uh, home building and construction. And so he had this personal development program that was all tied into language that is about remodeling a house. Right. And I thought that was super interesting. And I'm sure resonates with a segment of people. Right. Um, and that's why I love it because I think that I guess my, my bottom line is that if, if the messages that we're delivering um, resonated with everyone, then, then we wouldn't, then everyone would be doing way better. Right. So clearly, clearly there need, we need more angles and more voices to talk about some of these principles. Um, so can you maybe elaborate on how life coaching and interior design kind of blend together? Yeah, totally. So when I first started, I was doing just design and I was just doing virtual design. And for me, the way that my process worked was I really believed that the way I could make the most impact was turning my consultations really into classes. So because mm. I'm all about action steps, all about people walking away, feeling like they actually know one, two, three steps, you know, or whatever to actually implement change. Because I believe um you know, words don't actually teach. It's a, it's about the action steps that we take. So in my consultations, what was happening is, you know, in two hours, you're really getting to know people. A lot of walls are coming down. They're sharing, they're sharing more parts of themselves to you than I think even they expected to share. Because when you're invited into somebody's home, it's them. It's, it's, it connects with them. Uh, it's, it's an identity. And so what was happening is people were coming to me for design, but the underlying of that was actually um, a lot of conversations around fear, um, a lot of being afraid of making decisions, not trusting themselves to make the right decisions. And I say right with air quotes, you know, it was just a lot of um, self-doubt It was all, and perfectionism tendencies. It was decorating for others versus themselves. So it was this total disconnect. And so what I realized is that there was actually a deeper need and since I was already, you know, like I said, I was already um, certified as a life coach, as well as, you know, I've been studying personal development psychology for a little over 10 plus years now. And so th th those underlying conversations were something that were completely just 
easy for me to pick up personally. Mm. It had been on my heart to create a life coaching offering, but I thought, oh, I don't, you know, I don't need to do that yet. Like I had all these limiting beliefs, like who's going to, you know, work with somebody in their twenties on life coaching. You know, I just was like, that's not possible, but really like I've had a lot of experience and I've learned a lot so I can help a lot of people. So, um, what I started to do was remove my limiting beliefs and sit down and actually create this program. And it, it, yeah, it ended up coming in really quickly. And then what I realized is I wanted to blend the two. So how I did that was I realized Okay, so design is actually a modality for healing because of the fact of it being an identity piece. So when we think about the way that we keep our homes, it's all habitual, which means, I guess, essentially, we're not thinking about it. It's unconscious. So we're just, you know, repeating a lot of the same patterns. Um, Our messes are typically in the same spots. Um, We typically, you know, um, either are super cleanly or super not, you know, are we super hoarders or super not, or, um, you know, just everybody does things differently. But what, what I really like about the work that I'm doing is now I'm helping people really connect with their spaces and their environments to help it be, it's, it's like this tangible mirror for them to look at and be able to actually see what's going on internally because, and, and it makes personal development fun. Because a lot of times what's happening with regular personal development is we're not seeing that reward because it takes time. Everything has a gestation period. But with this design process, we're actually getting to see the reward instantly because we can see the difference in our home. We can feel the difference the energy of our home has when we start to tap into it. So I just, um, you know, I start, I work with people on their subconscious through color psychology, helping them understand, you know, this is, so this is the process. It starts out with, um, yeah interior design, or excuse me, um, color psychology first. So we tap into the psychology or the subconscious by helping them understand the, that the colors that they're connected to, the things that they gravitate towards. Um, it's for a reason. It's actually the characteristics and emotions behind the colors that Hmm. they're actually attracted to and, and, um, resonating with. Because a lot of times when we like a color, it's signifying like a past experience or a person or a situation we, we've had. So we kind of cling to it in that time um, because colors mean certain things. And then um, typically when we're craving those colors, because we're craving that thing in our life. So we start there and you imagine that that takes away a lot of the blocks. And so when we start there, we can understand specifically where we need to dig deeper in throughout the three month you know, life coaching process. And then throughout that life coaching program, what I'm doing is I'm also matching it with different, um, like I call them soul assignments, but things that you can do in your home to align to like enhancing your self-love. So there's a lot of feng shui in there. And then, um, you know, how we can work on our mindset um, by just releasing things and going through the organizational process. And then at the very end, it's putting, you know, having people go through the full on design experience to create a room that nurtures who they've just become and unraveled to in the last three months. So it's this whole like overhaul juicy experience Mm. where they can understand themselves in different ways by tapping into different sides of themselves. So it's this whole process and it's, it's been really cool because I, it's kind of just shown itself to me. I've never really seen anything like this before and never would have guessed that I'm doing anything like this, but it's just, I think when you follow your bliss and you follow the things that feel aligned, it just starts to shape itself in really cool ways. said a word that has been like, I don't know, a word that I have been thinking about a lot in the last few months um, through my own coaching experience. I'm not a coach, but working with my life coach. Um, and that word is fear. Um, 
and you know, I, I've been doing, I've been working with my life coach for <laughs> much longer than three months at this point. Um, but it was only, only within the last few months that I really kind of honed in that, that I was making so many decisions based on fear. Now I wasn't always experiencing fear. You know, I, I didn't necessarily feel frightened. I might feel frustrated, right. Or, or something, but underlying that frustration is actually a fear and it expresses itself as, as frustration. Right. Yeah. And so I, I'm just really, really fascinated. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, with the changes you made and then the, the, the kind of assistance that you're offering to your clients, you you just spoke to it, you're, you're dealing with fear quite a bit. How do you, how do you tackle fear? Because obviously it's not something we can be rid of. It's a normal human thing to, to have fear, but how do you kind of tackle that? Yeah, I love this question. And I also love that you have a life coach. I don't think enough people, especially from, from my point of view, um, men um, express that. So I think that's really cool to just normalize that. So I appreciate that you you shared that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, as far as fear goes, you know, it was a process. It's always a process. But like you said, it's a part of us. So what we need to do is is bring in some perspective on what it actually is. And essentially all that fear is, is creating stories about things that haven't even happened. Mm. We're creating worst case scenarios about something that's not even real. So if we can, if we can just see it as that, then what we can do is embrace it as, oh, it's just a protection mechanism. My body is just trying to protect me from something that could potentially go wrong. So if we can actually love it and appreciate it and acknowledge that fear is just, it's here to, to help. It's not a, it's not the bad guy. It's not anything wrong. It's just a prote protection mechanism. And what we can do is just build a relationship with it. Mm. And so it's really important, just like, you know, if we have like a pain in our body, we, we want to acknowledge it and we want to say, thank you for speaking so that I knew something was wrong. Thank you for, for having a voice, because if you didn't, I wouldn't know that I felt this in this moment. So it's just reframing. It's just viewing it differently and, and embracing it. Because when we do that, it loses its power. It loses its power over us to, over, you know, to consume us and take us down. When we can become its friend and, and ally and see it as serving a purpose, Versus just being this meaningless thing that's that it like wants to ruin our lives, you know, then, then, you know, then we can start to feel free. So I just, I create a relationship with it. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that, you know, when I first started coaching, I mean, that was one of the very first things my, my coach worked with me on was um, reframing otherwise negative statements with, with different language, but still saying the same thing. And I kind of scoffed at it initially. And I was like, eh, that seems kind of like a trick or something. Right. And I couldn't have been more wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, it, it's amazing how the same substance of a message can be communicated, but the words matter and the language matters because as you just described, you know, looking at fear as an enemy, versus looking at it as an ally and looking at it as a protection system is two very different things, but objectively the same thing is true, right? Like nothing has really changed except our perception. Um, exactly. I just think that's really powerful. Thanks. Yeah. You know, and that makes me think of another thing that I heard once that really helped me build that relationship was thinking about, so, so there's a, there's a difference between ego and our intuition and I, I really believe that fear is tied to our ego. And what happens is when our ego speaks to us, it's very like harsh. It creates anxiety. It's very like um, intense and, and fear. It's so it's fearful. Um, it creates yeah anxiety. It just creates a lot of just like, it feels like somebody just like punched you really hard and you're like, whoa, completely taken back. But with intuition, it, it's, it's really, it's more like a whisper. That's more like giving us into like little hits, like ideas coming in, gentle nods in a specific direction. It's more like a curiosity, like, oh, okay. So it's, it's, that's like, I think sometimes we, we feel like because they're both, um, they're like, they both hit us so differently that one is bad and one's wrong, like one's good, but they're both like, we just have to understand them. So we just have to understand like one is 
one speaks, they speak to us differently. So we just need to connect with them and, and see them both as being hugely important parts of us. And, and then I think we can start to feel more whole, honestly, in a sense, because then we understand the different parts of us. Yeah. Um, so it's just paying attention to the way it speaks. Right. Yeah. I, something else that you've, you've, you just used the word curiosity and, but then earlier when you were describing, you, you know, you talked about after you'd made a decision, you found yourself asking questions. And, and when you're on the train to the beer fest with your friend, she's asking questions. And then just now when you were talking about intuition and the power it has, you kind of related that to curiosity. And that's actually kind of the conclusion that I have, have kind of come to myself is that it, it seems like curiosity is the antidote to fear. Um, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I had a ghost hunter on the show, a paranormal yeah. investigator. I don't mean to be dismissive of her at all. She's a PhD and a very, very awesome lady. Um, so I don't mean to, to, again, to sound dismissive of that at all, but it's a paranormal investigator. And so I asked her, you know, when you're in a prison or you're in an abandoned asylum or something and you hear a noise that you didn't expect, like, are you ever just scared? Cause I'm the driver if I'm on that team, like I'm not going in the jail, right? Like I'm yeah. not, I'm not looking for the ghost. I'm not that guy. Same. <laughs> and uh and she was like yeah i mean you know it can be startling um or or maybe maybe unsettling and she's like but i wouldn't really describe it as as fear because when we hear that noise like we want to see what's causing it right so we mm -hmm. run towards it because we want to see what is this phenomenon and i was like wow like this doesn't have anything to do with life coaching or mental health or any of that and yet again i see that curiosity is the the bulwark against fear right so it's I mean, and I think Tony Robbins says, like, if you don't have good answers, you need to ask better questions. So this is not my own profound take, nor I'm not trying to come from the mountaintop with this. But I don't know. It's just been really fascinating to me to hear over and over again how this gets pointed to, you know, either in conversations like this or, again, <laughs> paranormal investigation, which has nothing to do with personal development. <laughs> no, but it's incredible because it's all it's all correlated, like just seeing that it's all just how we perceive it. It's our mindset towards something. Yeah. Um, it's, it's honestly, it's fascinating. Um, in, in honestly, in that conversation you just shared, it's so cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, either way, so something else you talked about that I wanted to ask you about is, is the, is the color thing. You know, I, you and I are friends on Facebook at this point, And nice. so I see some of your posts that you make up and, and not all of them, but some of the posts are about different colors. And so I wondered if you, if you could just talk about kind of, is there like a, a blanket meaning for a color like oh well orange is because you like the beach i don't i'm just making something up um or or is it more personal for for individuals and orange for me could be a very different reason that i like it than maybe you would for example yeah so um i just want to also clarify that color is something that has kind of just come to me it's kind of these like downloads i'm getting on it um, I almost decided to stop doing design, to be honest, when I started creating my life coaching offering, because I was like, I just want to focus on being a coach. But then I started understanding that, you know, there's so many modalities to design that can actually really help people. And that's when color showed up. Mm. So I, I um, only just started really digging into what it is. But, um, but color, so yes, I really believe that there is like, there's a underlying color meaning for what each color means. I think there's a general kind of um, relation to that color. Like, for example, you know, yellow typically is seen as a joyful color. Mm -hmm. uh, orange is pretty much about being super social, super mm -hmm. creative. Green is about life, growth, nature. You know, they all have those those like key meanings that they have. But where it gets really interesting is diving into what they mean when when people are specifically drawn to them mm -hmm. um, so based off of that again it's about okay so for example if orange if orange is a color that somebody is drawn to well orange again just means like hyper so it's like so, super social and right now could be a time where they are super introverted super close in and they um they're liking orange a lot and it's because they're seeking that side of them mm -hmm. more of that experience and so because they're not getting that maybe socially, they're, they're finding that kind of nurturing in the color itself. And so it's interesting to tune into the balance of the colors that we have in our lives. So if we're like all consumed by one color, that is where it becomes, we need to really look at that because what are we numbing out emotionally um, 
by by filling the void with the color. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing as if we really like a color, but we're not allowing it in our lives. Well, why? What do we feel like we're not deserving of? So it's interesting to also tune into the balance of colors, but then also, um, so the every color has a spectrum. So um, they, they, it goes from you know light hues to, to more saturated hues. And the lighter sides of a color are, are really associated with the idea of nurturing. And depending on the color, it can be more geared towards like nurturing of the self or nurturing for others. And so depending, again, just on the balance and what other colors are involved can tell us like what we're depleted in. Like maybe we need to be nurtured and we can really tap into what is like specifically with what, or maybe we're giving too much in in that way. So we need to hold back or maybe, you know, maybe we feel great in that. So we don't need to worry about that. So in the same thing with like the more saturated colors, more saturated is like, well, how, um, how connected do we feel to other people? How much do we feel? Also, it's how much do we feel like the way others see us determines how we validate ourselves? Um, because it's a lot of times it's also it's because that more saturated is more a little more noisy, more full. It might be times of being um, where you're drawn to a more saturated color. It might be times where you really are being more social, being out there more, being seen. We got to be careful. Well, let's make sure we have balance of that. Uh, level of saturation because if there's too much of it, it could signify that you are really getting a lot of your worth in the way people view you, um, mm-hmm. caring a lot about the opinions of others. So it's fascinating because it's not necessarily all about what the color represents. It's about how much of it is in our lives and in which ways, you know, is and it can say a lot too, depending on if we're wearing it a lot like like if we're wearing it versus is it in our home decor versus it is it in our like business um branding things like that um so it's yeah it's specific to every single person and so when i personally work with people um i do talk about you know here's what the color means so i'll go in and actually do some research because i don't always have every color memorized but then from there what i do is i kind of tune in i get downloads specifically um on what on what that person really needs to, to hear, whatever message needs to come through. So it doesn't always make sense to me as I'm going through it, but once I chat with the person and I'm like, okay, if this connects for you, let me know. Every single person is always like, wow, yes, I remember that situation or that person, or I didn't even think of that. So it's really cool to unravel that with them. And then they realize like, oh, it, I didn't realize I was clinging to this color or needing this color, or seeking this color because there was something going on in my life that I wasn't aware of before. Huh. That's, that's incredibly fascinating. Another question about the interior design or decorating process. You know, I've talked to, to writers and musicians and uh, other creative types, and I'm I'm not them, so I don't mean to know what they do. But I, I I'm at least familiar with kind of the creative process. But like with a writer, I mean, you know, you're doing like free writing oftentimes, and not that it's the only way, but they're doing free writing and kind of seeing where the writing takes them, and they don't necessarily know where it's going to go. Like maybe they have a beginning and an end, but the middle is murky, right? It's not just all laid out in their head in a single moment. Yeah. But with interior design, how do you how do you do that? Because you can't. I mean, you're not really like writing something out. You know what I mean? It's designing a space. So how does that how does that work? Yeah. So I think the beautiful part of being a creative is you kind of just allow, like you trust that it's going to take you somewhere beautiful, Mm. especially if you've been doing it for a while, you kind of, it kind of 
you just start to trust it more. Um, and, and everybody's process is different. I would definitely say I'm not the typical designer because um, I'm not so focused on aesthetics. It's not mm. about that for me, um, which sounds backwards, right? I'm really about how can we make the space work for you and how can we, how can we eliminate the, the stress of what's going on and work with spatial awareness differently. And, and a lot of times too, it's, it's like working with people's budgets. So, or every time it's working with people's budgets. So it's okay. If your budget is $500, like I'm going, I'm going to work with mostly what you have already and change it up in a new way. So it's, it's really about that for me. So it's always slightly different process when I'm creating, but essentially what I do is I, I connect with everybody initially and I understand and I send them a questionnaire, I receive pictures of their space and I just dive into really what their vision is, what they want. Um, I let them kind of be the leader on what they're seeking. Mm-hmm. And then what I do from there is I start to just um, create some inspiration boards. I start to create like mock-ups of what I think could be a beautiful kind of zone. And then I go back in through what we've talked about and then I let that lead me. Um, and you know, I, I also clarify with my, my, you know, clients that this is a, this is not meant to be done in a day. So even after we're done, like you're going to, you know, go through this process and you're going to learn more about what you want and what's exciting for you. And so we can come back together and create more, but it's really a process with my clients, allowing them to feel empowered, to actually be hands on instead of just hiring somebody to just do it all. It's like, no, I want you to be empowered to try, you know, to, to do the things. Cause that's why we're here in the first place. So you didn't trust yourself, you know, right. or you're scared. So I want to show you that you can diminish the fear. So yeah, it's essentially, it's just a different, it's a slightly different process for everybody, but I really try to allow the vision of my clients and what they share with me in the the pre-work that I have for them to really lead the way. Um, but I think the, the inspo boards, the, the mock-ups and everything really do help me create that um, finalized result at the end. But yeah, it's really just about trusting um, the creative process and knowing like that it's going to be what it's supposed to be based off the essence that they really, you know, feel for their space. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. So yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like it's a very collaborative process versus like, a, um, and this probably dates me to some extent because I don't watch a lot of TV now at all, but like a, like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy back in the day mm-hmm. where they just show up and like you leave and then you come back and it's a totally different space, right? I mean, everything was redone and there's not really any collaboration. They're just, you know, the people on that show or whatever are just designing it how they wanted. But it doesn't sound like that's really the, the only way it can be done because you're offering something that's a lot more collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, it was really how I had to do it when I started because of COVID, you know, I had to get creative with the virtual aspect. Um, But it really, when I thought, when I look back on it, I'm like, that's actually the only way I would want to do it anyways, because I, it's all about the empowerment. It's about people getting in touch with the process. It's about people realizing that me doing it one way does not make it right at all because essentially it's their home and they might think it's really beautiful if I created something, which I could do, but what's happening is they're completely detached from it simply because like those items don't necessarily mean anything unless they specifically give me like key items that they want to include and they tell me why. And we, and we really do that together. So it has to be collaborative for it to mean anything. Mm. So um, yeah, I really enjoy that part. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, so uh, this is, again, maybe a bizarre question, but it, it seems like a lot of stuff that I come across now is all about like decluttering and getting rid of stuff. Is minimalism always the best approach? Or do you find sometimes clients are too minimalistic and it's like, hey, you could actually <laughs> add some more stuff to the space here? Yeah, you know, I just I'm of the camp that there's no right or wrong. Mm. Um, where the, where, where I feel like maybe minimalism should be considered is if somebody is holding on to so many things and they're, they don't know how to let go, mm. um, they can feel that it's holding them back from thriving, especially now with, you know, a little over 80% of people working or spending 90% at home, you know, cause now we're all working from home you can really feel the detrimental effects of a space not being optimal. So if, if, 
you know, if someone's home is just like so cluttered that it's taking up their, you know, their productivity time, like because they're so focused on it or because it's actually creating a really cramped energy, um, then yeah, that's when we need to talk about, okay, well, let's go through the decluttering organization. Let's go through that process. But if a space has, is filled with a lot of trinkets, but they all mean something, everything has a place, you know, it's, you can really get a story from someone's home and it feels, it really feels like them when you go in there, then I don't think it's a matter of like decluttering or anything or getting rid of stuff, making it as minimal as possible, focusing just on colors. Um, it's really at that point, it's just about, okay, well, is the space at least organized in a way where the spatial, like where you can move about the room freely, where you don't feel cluttered by the things. So it just depends on every single person and how they feel in their space. So that's why when I, when I begin working with people, my main questions are just about how they feel. And I like to bring in some consciousness to that. Um, and then we really decide, you know, from there, um, how we're going to work with the space to most benefit, um, most benefit them and their goals. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 um, I definitely think I've had some misconceptions about what interior decorating can means or, or, or who it's for kind of thing. So what kind of spaces are you working on? Are you working just in extravagant homes or do you work with people in studio apartments and everything in between? Yeah. So my, my kind of focus area is right now has been, um, people just everyday people and everyday homes, honestly, like, no, I have, I've worked on a couple of pretty big places, but for the most part, it's, it's just people in, um, maybe smaller spaces or they, yeah, they have a lot of like multi-purpose rooms, mm-hmm. um, to give you a little bit on like my background in design. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a little over 20 years, but it's because um, I started with myself and with my friends and family members and things. And for me personally, like I've had a lot of studio apartments and like recently had a micro studio apartment of 330 square feet. And I needed to make it a bedroom, a living room, a kitchen, a closet, a bathroom, a hallway, you know, all these things in one, an office, you know, and I was like, how can I make this work? And so throughout all of my, you know, experience I just you know I've really mastered that and so um that was how I started I helped people with their multi-purpose rooms and I was like okay um trust me I got you on this I can find a way to make this work for you and so then I just kind of went from there and so now it's progressed into um like full homes and and like going deeper and doing things like paint and actual like hardwares and and like full-on redesigning but um but uh yeah it's really my bread and butter is the smaller spaces, the multi-purpose rooms, the average Joes who just want to live freer, who, you know, they, they know, they feel like their space is capable of something, but they just feel stuck in what to do. They literally like, it's so beyond them how to do it when it really is just like, we just need to start small and one thing at a time and we can really make a huge shift for you. So that's, that's my focus. Yeah. Well, I think that's super awesome. And I, I, I mean, I was kind of kind of had an idea that that was going to be not that you were going to say all those words, but I had an idea of where it would go because I've looked at your website and watched some of your testimonial videos that you have there and that sort of stuff. But I wanted to to have you talk about it because, you know, just like you mentioned earlier, you, you mentioned that I was, that you were grateful that I was open about coaching and, and the fact that I participate in that. And, and yeah, I mean, my life coach is awesome. Um, but the reason that I, that I wanted to talk about this with regard to interior decorating is because I had a perception before I started working with a coach that coaching was something that was like out of my price range. Oh, that's just for like, I don't know, executives or I don't know, you know what I mean? People who were far more successful than I am or something. And, and that wasn't true at all, but I had never even looked into it because I just had these, just like we've been talking about throughout the conversation, these predetermined beliefs that I just made up (laughs) that weren't really based on anything other than my own thoughts. Um, And I just think it's important for people to understand that that interior decorating isn't just for a mansion or something, right? I mean, certainly it can be, but it, it's for everyone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that was one of the stigmas I kind of came across when I started. Um, people initially just telling me, like, 
just so you know, I can't like I can't afford a designer right now. I'm like, whoa, you haven't even heard anything I've had to say. You know, right. so, like, trust me, you can afford me. Like, trust me, especially since I'm just starting. You, everybody can afford me. You know, so it was just really funny. The fear, even just like with people, like being willing to even have a conversation with me uh, because of the assumption that it's just outrageously priced. And I will say it's a fair assumption. I knew exactly where they're coming from because a typical designer is going to cost a lot, you know, but I do things so differently. I'm a more holistic person. And, and the whole reason I did this, the whole reason I left my career was because I, I want to change lives and I want to make things like this approachable for people because this is the stuff that can heal us. This is the stuff that can allow us to show up in the world better because when we're in a space all the time that feels like it's not nurturing, it's just a space, it's just a storage space, it's just kind of there, then we literally will carry ourselves differently in the world. Uh-huh. So it's important to give our home some love, give that energy out where we where we rest and recharge, where we spend time with our families, the things that we love. It's important to give that to the environment so that we can receive that back. So then we can show up better in the world. So for me, it's like, it's like, yes, I'm, I'm a business owner, you know, I'm not running a charity. So it's like, it matters to me to make a profit, but at the same time, it's reasonable prices, you know, right. that can be help that can be that people can actually, you know, allow themselves to, to receive. So yeah. out of that. Yeah, as you should be. I think that's, I think it's, I think it's super cool. Um, And I just, you know, you've talked about living with integrity and and, and that sort of thing throughout our conversation. And I I don't know how long ago it was, maybe a few years ago, I watched an interview with Jim Carrey, of all people who, you know, think of him as like comedian, but he's actually super like deep and insightful oh my gosh he blew my mind when i saw that too i was like what <laughs> yes Jim Carrey now like what is this right but he, he he talks about that he wishes that everyone in the world could be as wealthy as he is so that they could understand that that isn't actually fulfilling right yeah. like yes there's a certainly there's a baseline of being able to to uh, financial security that 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 matters um but but to a point, like just chasing more dollars doesn't doesn't yield more fulfillment, right? And um, so I yeah I think it's I think what you're talking about is great. Well, I really appreciate you know the, the time that we've had here this evening. Um, your website is jessiecaroldesign.com. I know that you're on Facebook, so I'll share links to, to both of those things in the show notes. Is there anywhere else that you would like people to connect with you um, to to work with you? Yeah. So um, my Instagram is another great place and I put more links there as well. Um, so yeah, it's just jesse.carol. Cool. Well, I'll definitely do that. And and just to, to be clear, I do want to reiterate in case it was lost in the conversation, the work that you do is remote. So people from literally anywhere can reach out and, and potentially work with you. They don't have to be in your local market or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually have clients all over the world. I have clients in Australia, the Philippines, the Netherlands, Canada, um, and then random states all over. So, yeah, it's it's amazing the silver lining of the virtual work. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, it's it is. Uh, well, again, Jesse Carroll, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Stone by stone that fell to the ground 
get more eaten by her again. There are baby letters drifting into Families fled to the open plains Hot and handsome dirt and stone and Under the sun a turning gray a Fire and I weaved in the bone a Brick by brick they built their home Walk those halls. Now the roof crumbles under the sky. The staircase came crashing down. Step by step they fell to the ground. No way to reach the top floor again. It's a paper letter drifting into. Alright folks, well that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much to Jesse Carroll for stopping by. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you of course to Misha Zarens for the music. And of course, thank you listener for listening today. I'd also invite you to follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All those links are in the show notes. And I'd also ask you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks on any podcast platform. Again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay up. Mm-hmm.